Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everyone. God is so good. God is so on the move in our midst, and I am so excited. As Chrissy mentioned, we just got back from Philadelphia. I want to say hello to everyone in Philly Tab right now. Come on, everyone. Let's say hello to all of our family. God bless you guys. Pastor Josh texted me and told me that we've got some new families there. God bless you. If this is your first time at Philadelphia Tabernacle, we are one church in two cities, and we are so united together because of the power of Jesus, because of the bond of the Holy Spirit. How many are thankful for the Holy Spirit who's in Philadelphia and is here in Chicago with us? Hallelujah. And it was absolutely amazing. Such a, such a wonderful start um, to this, this new beginning for us in Philadelphia. The people served in such amazing ways. And uh, I, I can't even tell you how much the Lord really touched me. You know what I want to do? I want to, I want them to hear this. There was a group of very dedicated servants. They did music. They did a design. They built sets, dramas. I mean, they did it all. We even literally, we had a, a science station and the guy who did the teaching uh, for science, Aaron, he's literally a scientist. And so he just he just stood up with his work uniform on, the glasses and the white coat, he and his wife. Every Every station was so blessed, so anointed, so phenomenal. But the people, they served night after night. Could we take a moment and just show our appreciation to them? God bless you. Come on, stand in Philly. If you serve, stand. Woo! Well done, well done, well done. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I also want to just say hello to all of our online family. It's amazing how many people tune in. Um, from different parts of our country and the world. And we're on a series right now titled Keys to Fellowship. And fellowship is all about having a wonderful, close, day-to-day -day relationship with God. Jesus came to this earth. He died and he rose from the dead not so that we would go to church once a week, as important as that is, uh, and not even just so that we read our Bible once and then that's it. God, once you read your Bible, that's the fuel for the rest of the day. That's the essence and the seeds of your fellowship. How many are thankful that no matter where you go, the Holy Spirit is right there with you and you can lean on him and you can fellowship with him? And so we want to encourage first, uh, the book of First John is where John is, is like our fellowship coach. And he's coaching us on how we can really be close to God all day long. And we've been going over kind of these different um, tools that he's given us, these, these 
scales, these practices that he's given us so that we can really fellowship with God. And I want you to know it's been interesting because I have been, I have been especially mindful of fellowshipping with God all throughout the day. And one of the things that I kind of discovered is that it can get kind of difficult. And the reason it's difficult, I believe probably the most difficult um, uh, season in all of history to fellowship with God in a way because, you know, when the Bible was written, the society was more agricultural. So if people heard a sermon or they read something, they had this space in their life. There was a space for them to think about things. Part of fellowshipping is that you're thinking about God and you're making space and room in your mind and in your heart to reach out to God, Amen. to reach toward your heavenly father. Amen. But the phone is, is like it's people have instant access to us. Like you're interrupted so much and, and things are hitting us. There's so much stimulation that if you're not really um, deliberate, and if you're not very diligent, then what can happen is you have these huge gaps of time where there's this great disconnect between you and God. Nowadays, I want to encourage you, what's cool about having a phone is that you, you can carry so many things, and one of the things you, should, you can carry is a Bible, and put your Bible app right on that front page, I'll never forget hearing a man of God, hearing of a man of God who said, I, I try not to be away from the word of God for more than 15 minutes. And so he was always peeking at the Bible. And I've said this before, I've, I've seen my, my father-in-law, he has all these different sized Bibles. His smallest Bible was like this. I saw him one day going like this. I was like, come on, bro, that's a little Bible right there, you know? But I want to encourage you, the Bible is fresh, it's powerful, it's life, it's love. And if you stay in it, God will be speaking to you. You'll be speaking to him. Your fellowship with him will be wonderful. Now today's, what we'll call a today's fellowship hack, today's fellowship hack is very practical. This one is almost the easiest of them all. And if you do this, this one will open up the door for all of the other things we've been talking about um, throughout this series. So let's get right into it. 1 John 4, 7, beginning with verse 7, says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love comes from God. Whoever loves is a child of God and knows God. Okay? So that word knows speaks of connection and fellowship, right? Whoever does not love does not know God. Why? For God is love. Everyone say God is love. So here's what this is saying. I'm, breaking, I'm gonna walk slowly through this. Here's what he starts out by saying in the first two verses. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, to know God is to love people. 
Okay, that would have been a great time to get a strong amen, even in Philadelphia. So if you're on the struggle bus with this, we're gonna get there, amen? So, but to know God, to really know God, is to have a heart of love for people. Amen. Amen. That was still weak. Come on, help us, Jesus. Okay? So this is a big deal. When you think about really knowing God, I'm telling you right now, when you really know God, there's an impact he has on your heart. Okay, but let's keep going. It says, and God showed his love for us by sending his only son into the world so that we might have life through him. This is what love is. It's not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the means by which our sins are forgiven. In other words, this is a huge clue to fellowshipping with God and to this whole concept of love. This is what it's saying. It's saying God loved us even before we turned to him. You look around the world and you think about people who live as enemies of God right now. Okay, absolute enemies of Jesus. And guess what? God loves them. And you know, that's great news because that means that he loves us too, right? And even on our worst day, how many are thankful that he loves us? Could we just celebrate the fact that he loves us? Hallelujah. This is so good. So God loved us before we turned to him and consequently... We should love others before they turn to God. We should love other people before they turn away from their evil. Where would we be if somebody didn't love us when we were unlovely? And so this is a very crucial thing when it comes to fellowshipping with God. We have to understand that God is love and that he sent his son to be a the means by which our sins are forgiven. Wow, powerful. A little bit more here. And then it says, dear friends, if this is how God loved us, then we should, three words, everyone, love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, then God lives in union with us, and that is fellowship. In Philadelphia, when the Bible says God lives in union with us, here's what he's saying is that when we love, when we love each other, when we choose to love like God, something powerful is released. We start to fellowship with God. God lives in union with us. All of the other fountains of fellowship are open when we choose to be like God and when we choose to love, hallelujah. When we love, we fellowship with God and sometimes when we when we all the time but when you can't understand when you don't get it we don't know what to do just love because love the Bible says is the most excellent way because love is the it's the highest form of spirituality so look God lives in union with us and his love 
is made perfect, ready, in us. His love is made perfect in us. What we're talking about is very experiential. I love to brag about the difference. I'm not putting any, any other religion down, any other philosophy down. Everyone is entitled to pursue whatever they want. But I love to brag about the fact that Jesus, he doesn't want us to serve him like he's this mighty king that because he's holy, we should just fear him and bow down and be afraid of him. There goes the king. He's different. He came to be one of us. He came to die for us. He rose from the dead to be inside of us and to perfect his love in us. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise God. He wants to be near us. He wants to fellowship with us. What a God. What a God. It is so, so powerful. And then I want to just read uh, one more uh, verse to you from 1 John. It was a previous chapter, but the description of it really sums all of this up. He says in, in 1 John 3, 18, says, My children, our love should not, just, should not be just words and talk. It, it must be true love, which shows itself in everybody, action. In action. So to love and to love God is to show it in action. And so here's what, what John is saying. John is saying, if you want to live in union with God, if you want to have fellowship with God, you have to live a life of love and love with action. And when we do that, when we live this life, we begin to experience fellowship with God all throughout the day. So this one, look, you don't have to understand it totally. You don't have to reason it out totally. Here's what John is saying, which is the title of the message. Just imitate love. Just imitate the Father. Imitate the Father's love. So this whole series is how to be a Christian. You know how you be a Christian? How you be? Imitate your Father in heaven. Just love. And what I want to do is before we pray, I want to suggest to you that if you will just make decisions that are loving, your life with God will change. The quality of your, the life of your mind and your heart will change. The quality of your relationships will change. The quality of your impact will change. Because if you will walk around imitating your heavenly father, you will make the impact because God will flow through you, through that fellowship, and everything will change. So in Philly, here online, come on, let's lift our hands right now. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you for, um, for the fact that we can worship you in two different cities and still be one family. I thank you for every brother and sister in Philadelphia, every first-time family. Lord, thank you for the kids that are there. Thank you for everyone that is here. And Lord, we're all here because you loved us first. And we thank you for that love. And we know that what this world needs is love. What Chicago needs is love. What Philadelphia needs is love. And so, Lord, we open up our hearts and we say, make us channels of your love. I thank you that generational strongholds could be broken just by the power of your love, oh God. I thank you that families can be restored by the power of your love, oh God. And that even deeds of darkness can be erased by the power of your love, Lord Jesus. So bless this word. Help us to receive deeply and to walk in it. In the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. amen, amen. Come on, let's clap to Jesus for his love. <laughs> Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So literally, he's, the, uh, John is saying, look, just do what your father does. Your heavenly father, not your earthly father. Just do what your father does in heaven. He's saying, don't worry about how you feel. You know, the late... Tim Keller once said, you know, the unique thing about love is that in the Bible, you're called to love people even that you naturally don't love. You're even called to love your enemies. But the crazy thing about this powerful thing called love is that whoever you choose to love, even if in the natural you don't like them, if you choose to love them, if you reach towards them with love, if you act loving before you know it, your heart is just naturally filled with love for them. You know? And it's like, I, I know it doesn't make sense, but I love them. You know? And it's because now you're, you're experiencing a crossover moment. Now the kingdom of heaven is starting to flow through you. Now it's no longer the stuff of the earth. It's, not, it's, it's, it's no longer the stuff about you and me and what I want. Now we're talking about what God wants. Now we're talking about the heart of God flowing through your heart to someone else. And you start to be in such deep fellowship with God. And you're like, I can't believe that I love this person, but I do. When that happens... All sorts of amazing things take place. People get healed, touched, transformed. All kinds of amazing things happen. Just imitate your father. And listen, this is what Barclay said. Barclay really sums up like this message. Barclay said, love has a double relationship to God. It's only by knowing God that we learn to love, and it's only by loving that we learn to know God. This is powerful. Love comes from God and leads to God, and it is by love that God is known. And so the key is, instead of trying to figure out who God is, don't. Just love and you'll start to understand God. You understand? Just love. Just choose to love. And when you make those choices, when you, when you make that decision, 
You know, there's, there's kind of like two standout. I've, I've said this before. Those of you who've been here a while, just bear with me. But I've, there's like two standout. One experience, one relationship. Okay? So when I first became a Christian, you know, I became a Christian at 17 years old. I really started going to church for the first time around 19 years old. And I was, you know, just a guy from Brooklyn. And I had all kinds of, lots of just ugly junk in my heart. And I remember when a guy said, look, I just read this article. And there are these um, drag queens that are transvestites that are homeless. And they live in a garbage dump in Manhattan. They prostitute themselves. They get crack. They're all hooked on crack. And they do crack. And then they go prostitute themselves some more, make the money, do crack. And that was their lives. And he said, um, he said, we're going to go take them some food and we're going to share the love of Jesus with them. And I was like, you are? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, we are. I was like, I don't know that I could get with that. But, but I did it. And I went. And, um, and it changed my life. I wouldn't even be in the ministry if it wasn't. Two years, two years I spent um, taking them to breakfast, taking them to the doctor sometimes. Um, I preached my first sermon to 18 drag queens. And, um, and it was just amazing how we would have moment after moment where the love of God would come down so powerful. These guys... They lived on the street. The first night I went out, they were eating garbage, literal garbage. It was in the meat market, okay? And what they would do is the scraps that they would throw out, that's what they would burn and eat. They would not use a drop of their money for food. They had to buy bundles of crack. Then they would go on, they would go on what they called a mission. I don't know what the new name is. And they would smoke crack until they were just, you know, and they would just wiped out, we would take them food and they would be like this sometimes and it was crazy, but we would pray and I'm telling you right now, the love of God would come down so powerful. I learned so much about the love of God on those streets and I'm telling you, when I, I remember standing over a guy who was a skeleton with skin on it. He was a skeleton. AIDS had taken over. He had marks all over his bar. They call it carposy, sarcoma, some kind of deal. And his whole body, and we were there. Do you know how many times I went to a hospice and I stood right there with somebody who was dying of AIDS? And I'm telling you, it was so crazy. This guy's, I don't remember his street name. They had a street name and they had their given name. We always asked, what's your given name? His given name was Glenn. And I remember the change. We would go out and, and he was as hard and tough and then they started to tell us our stories and we would pray and we'd talk about the love of Jesus. Amen. More than sin. More than sin. Listen to me. It's the kindness of God that leads men to repentance. It's the love of Jesus. We can't change ourselves. Some people think that Jesus is trying to come at them. Jesus came for them. And so listen, I'm standing there, and now this, is, this, is, this is my natural mind. I was like, yo, I don't want any part of this. But I became addicted to being used by God. 
There was nothing so powerful as being in places where we would pray. And you think about these palaces and you look at these hotels and these big houses and you think about these parties that are going on. I would, I'll miss every party in the world to experience where Jesus would be the presence of the love of God like that. Powerful, And I remember his name was Glenn. And at a certain point, here's the way it went. We, we struck up a connection, a friendship. And he said, I like your sweater. And he used to dress like a woman. He says, I like your sweater. I said, you like my sweater? I gave him the sweater. It's a green sweater I bought. I gave him the sweater. He wore that sweater all the time. And then right before he died, he grew a goatee. And he said, look, people are trying to tell me I'm this, or this is my identity, this. And here's what he said. He said, I have become a son of God. Look, I'm not throwing shade at anybody. People can do whatever they want to do with their lives. But I'm just telling you right now, the love of Jesus is powerful and transformational. And I watched it over and over and over again. And it wasn't about classes and it wasn't about sermons. It was being out there. It was being out there loving those people. A lot of them spoke Spanish. I understand Spanish. And we would go at night. They couldn't tell what we were at night because it was dark. Sometimes we would hear them saying like honestly dirty stuff about us, about the guys. And it would make my skin crawl. And yet the love of God would push and say, I want you to love them. I want you to love them. Because I love them. It was transformation. We can love anybody. We can love everybody. And even people who don't love Jesus, Jesus wants us to love those people. Could somebody please say amen? Hallelujah. And I want to tell you something. If you've been hurt, if you've been traumatized, if you've been broken, if your life has been shattered, you can rebuild your life by fellowshipping with God. The Holy Spirit can reach places that no one else can reach. Counseling, doctors, whatever it is, the Holy Spirit can go there. And when you open up your heart for your heart to become like God after you were so hurt and taken advantage of you realize that's what Jesus did he just opened himself up and they brutalized him and you know why because he loved when we do that when we do that powerful things happen inside of us and around us so that experience, that season, that two years of my life, just feeling the love of God, feeling the love of God go through. I'm telling you right now, there's nothing like feeling God's love flow through you. Another thing was real practical. I married a loving girl. And you know what? I, I, I you know, maybe I'll get a couple points for this, but that's not why I'm doing it. Okay. I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, 
my wife has taught me so much about love, you know? And like, like saying, I love you when you hang up the phone. I never did that. Like in my family, we didn't really, we didn't say I love you, you know? But she would always say I love you. She, the way she loved my kids, the way her love and her affection and her, her sense of joy in the house, her kindness, all of those things have over the years been like, oh snap. And, I, and here's why I wanna say this. I wanna say this in Philadelphia. Look, your world, your circle, it needs love. And if you will be a person that will just choose to love, you, you may not always understand the depth of impact, but you will make such a powerful difference in people's lives. It will be absolutely amazing. How? Just love. And so love is, is a big deal because when you're around people that love, it just does something to you. Love makes you happy. Somebody loves you, you just feel better. You know, it, love, you could, you could be down. Somebody loves you, just encourages you and strengthens you. Love is a very, very powerful thing and each and every one of us can do it. If we open up our heart, we can step out and love. How many would say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, put your hands together and say yes. Just be loving in your marriage. You'll get it. You'll work it out. Just be loving towards your coworkers. Just be loving wherever you are. Now, this passage gives us two clues, and I want to walk through them very quickly. This passage gives us two clues about the love of God, about how we kind of show love, live love, how we imitate the love of God. And essentially, the way you walk in love and then consequently get fellowship with God is that you follow his pattern. Well, how did Jesus love? Follow the, Jesus had a very consistent pattern when it came to love. Amen. And it's twofold. Number one, he forgave. Number two, he served. That's the way he showed love. How do you show love? You forgive and you serve. Acts of service, demonstrations of love. And when we do that, the, the act of forgiving, the act of serving, it opens up this fellowship with God. So let's walk through this very quickly. Number one, we fellowship with God when we forgive. So when, when you start to fellowship with God, when you get love in your heart, what starts to happen is God starts to give you the same heart impulses, okay, that he has, okay? The heart impulse of God is always merciful. Judgment is the strange act of God. It's not that we don't deserve it, and it's not that they don't deserve it. It's just that God's heart is different, even though people deserve it. You understand? 
There's something about the heart of God that he just wants to forgive. He, his heart impulse is to forgive. This is what love is. Let me read it again. It's not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son uh, to be the means by which our sins are everyone forgiven. So look, there's this business guy, kind of like guru type guy. He's not necessarily a, a Christian, but he said this, and I thought it was so profound. Kevin Kelly says, uh, he says, the most selfish thing you can ever do is to forgive people. Okay, the most selfish thing you could ever do is to forgive people. Essentially, I heard a podcast about this. Essentially, is because when you forgive people, you release yourself. Okay, and you can't release yourself if you don't forgive people. If you're a grudge holder, you can't be released. So he says the most selfish thing you could do is actually forgive people. And here's what he says. Forgiveness is accepting the apology you may never receive. Are you ready to forgive someone who hasn't even apologized? Right? Because God sent his son to die for us even before we turned to him, even before we repented. He was there. It's not that we turned to him. It's that his heart was coming after us. Anybody happy that his heart just keeps coming after us? Hallelujah. So here's the question. Are you ready to forgive even without the apology? Because that's the heart of God. You see, when you're ready to forgive, you're ready to be freed. When am I going to be free of this? When am I going to be free of this? When is this going to stop tormenting me? When you forgive, that's the beginning of freedom. Now, I want to just, in Philadelphia right now, everybody put your hand on your heart. Let's close our eyes. We don't have to wait till the end of the sermon to pray. Let's pray right now. And here's what I want to pray. I want to pray that anyone who's got trauma, anyone who's got deep wounds and hearts, that you would say, at least say this, God, give me your heart impulse. I'm ready to, to forgive someone who hasn't even apologized. So Father, in the name of Jesus, even before we take communion, God, I pray that right now, people who were abused, taken advantage of, mistreated, bullied, I pray, oh God, that, that uh, uh, um, uh, married people who were betrayed, children who were let down, God, I pray that right now that you would give us your heart impulse. God, give us a heart to forgive. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come in the deep places and begin to do a work of healing, my God. I pray for healing in this house. I pray for healing in Philadelphia, God. I pray for healing, deep, powerful healing. I pray that people would be freed from addiction because, Lord, they don't need the bottle. They don't need weed. They don't need drugs anymore. They don't need the pills, oh God, because of deep healing. So, God, by your mighty power, Lord, give us the heart. Help us to forgive. Help us to say like Jesus said, 
Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They didn't really understand the depth of what their, their actions would, would create. But God, we choose to forgive in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord our God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They could send me a, a keyboard player. We're going to take communion in a moment. When you forgive, it's the beginning of breakthrough. Can I say a couple quick more things here? This is an aside, but if you want to improve not just your fellowship with God, but your fellowship with people, then forgive. Look at what Proverbs 17, 9 says. It says, if you want people to like you, forgive them when they wrong you. Remembering wrongs can break up a friendship. We have to stop being grudge holders. Stop holding grudges. Some people feel like if they don't hold a grudge, they are devaluing what happened. And no, you're actually valuing the power of the blood of Jesus. And you're valuing the heart of God. You're not devaluing, you're actually valuing God's heart even over your sense of justice. And you're saying, God, you'll work it all out. You'll work it all out. So I wanna encourage you. There's so many examples Listen to this, in the 1800s, there was a, the, he was the king, his name was Pomari II. He was uh, the king of, I don't know how to say this, Auhin and Tahiti in the South Sea Islands. He became a Christian, some missionaries led him to the Lord. These missionaries, these three missionaries were there and they were not experiencing uh, much fruit but they kept at it and they kept at it. And finally, the king, actually the king, became a Christian. And when he became a Christian, there was a plot among the natives to, to seize him and, and, um, and the other converts now, and they wanted to burn him to death. And so what the king did is he organized a band to attack the platter, plotters, capture them unawares, and then he set a feast before them. So he sends a crew of people to capture the people who are trying to destroy him, right? He's a Christian now. So he captures them, right? And instead of torturing them or killing them or whatever, on the contrary, he leads them into this place and he puts out a big feast before them and he does what? He shows them everyone love. And that act of love, up until that point, these places were considered untouched by the gospel, okay? Now, from that moment on, there was something so powerful that, would, that was released by one act of love. I think as far as back into the 60s or the 70s, those places were almost 60% Christian to this very day. Hundreds of years later, why? Because one person not only received the love of God, 
but he gave out the love of God. Instead of taking vengeance, he chose forgiveness and love. Powerful, powerful. And when you're doing that, let me tell you something, your fellowship with God will be sweet. One of the most incredible stories I've heard is the story of Corey Tenboom, who lived through the concentration camps. And it was only her faith in Christ that held her up. And then the literal guard who destroyed her sister, her sister died there, he actually became a Christian. What do you do with a guy who, who was an animal, now he becomes a Christian? So she actually meets him. She talks in her biography about the moment where she had to choose. And she said, as difficult as it was, I knew I could not betray my Lord. And she said, I forgive you. Think of the power of God to restore and rebuild bridges in your life, in my life. Think of God's power to rebuild deep brokenness if we choose to forgive and to love. That's the God we serve. That's the one we've chosen to follow. But when we do it, the fellowship with him is so sweet. So that's the first thing. Almost, we'll be, we'll be taking communion in a moment, but listen to this. The second thing, that is crucial is we fellowship with God when we serve. This is saying that we fellowship with the Father through our service of others. This is what I got to see firsthand last week, <clears throat> this past week at PT. It's part of what I got to see through those videos here. As people served, as people gave their gifting, I, I walked in, the sets were so Wonder, the sets were amazing. I was like, who did this? And, and it turns out that a uh, uh, sister, her name is Mary Yoder. She, like her expertise was in, in I guess, in making present, you know, doing all of these presentations and whatnot. And I don't even know how to say it, but she did this cool thing with the trees. And how did they do that? I don't know, but she gave her best. She offered her skills her giftings. Remember, we talked about this recently. What in the world are you gifted for? Just for you? That's not kingdom thinking. The Christian doesn't think that way. The Christian says, thank you, God, that through my gifting, I get to feed my family. I get to do this. But Lord, my gifting is so I could be a blessing just like you're a blessing to me. Could somebody say amen? How many know we are all called to serve? You're not too busy to serve. You're not too busy to serve. You're just missing out on an opportunity to be like Jesus. The Son of Man did not come to serve, to be served. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and offer up his life as a ransom for many. How many are thankful for that kind of Lord and Savior? Hallelujah. Here's the way the Apostle Paul put it. He said, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live 
should no longer live for themselves. Those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them and was raised again. Look, in Philippians, he also said, it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. When you accept Jesus, God begins to work in you. One of the great works of God in your life is that you start to express his love. You speak love. You show love. You love through giving. You love through serving. And whenever we, when we do that, the Spirit of God is actually working his purpose through our lives. God, change my will to align with your will. The greatest among you will be the the servant of all. You want to set your life on fire? You want to really charge up your fellowship? Serve. Find a place to serve in the kingdom of God, and you're going to experience so many wonderful and powerful things. In 1 Corinthians... The Bible says, for we are co-workers in God's service. Anybody here a co-worker? Because that's what we are. We are called to be co-workers in God's service. And here's serving. I want to just say this. Serving kind of is broken down into kind of two quick categories, and we're going to close in a moment. First of all, there are spirit-led moments. Everybody say spirit-led. But spirit-led moments. Okay, it means that in any given moment, you're so fellowshipping with God and you're going on your way and something is going down and God says, stop your busy day and help them. Talk to them. Call them. Give them. You know, give them. I heard a, I heard a, a, a pastor say this once. I try to do this. I try to keep, um, you know, like dollar bills and coins in my car. And, it's, and if I got a chance to give to somebody, you know, tip someone extra. Oh, that's it. Sermon's over for some, right? <laughs> There's a moment where the Holy Spirit says, do this, do that, do this, do that. We've got to listen and be led by the Spirit so that we could be a blessing. Anybody here wants to be a blessing? God, make us sensitive. In, in Philly, make us sensitive. So the first one is Spirit-led moments. The second is Spirit-led stewardships. Like I said, like let's take the, our, our, our team in Philadelphia. These people decided, I'm going to do this for these kids, I'm gonna I'm gonna give up every night of the week plus a whole bunch of other the, the set builders all of these days before, but I'm doing this because I believe in the power of seeds. I want to sow eternity into the hearts of these children, and it means that I this is my stewardship. So this brother plays the bass, that's his stewardship. Okay, he got here early. These people got here early. This is their God-given stewardship. People on the camera, people in security doing all kinds of different things. There's all kinds of service in this house. Do you know the Bible says, many hands makes the load light? And I'm going to just say this, but look. We 
statistically speaking, before COVID, we were over the top when it came to how much people served in average churches to ours. We were way over the top. Now we're just like everybody else. All of a sudden, there's something about COVID that people stop serving. Okay? Well, let me tell you something. Even though some people are still getting COVID, COVID season is over. It's time to love. Somebody say amen. Get busy for the Lord. Get busy for the Lord. You won't regret it. I want to close this by showing you a, there's a painting in the Louvre by, a, a, an, I'm, I've been, you know, I'm into reading on art these days, among other things. So there's a Spanish painter. His name is uh, Bartolome Murillo. And what he would do is he would often fuse reality with the spiritual world. And so I hope to go there one day and actually see this. Pastor Jake has actually seen this. And the way he would think about, he was, he was Catholic, and the way he would think about the kingdom of God is uh, this is a guy who had so many needs. He's trying to run this ministry. And he saw the people who were serving he painted them as angels. So in the kitchen, where are the angels? They're back there with the babies. Come on. Where are the angels? They're back there battling it out with technology. You know how much the devil attacks those soundboards and all that kind of stuff? Right? Where are the angels? They're the guys driving the bus. You know, can we put our hands together for all the angels in this house? Come on, let's put our hands together. Hallelujah.